great Dom Toretto. If you never would have gotten behind that wheel, I'd never be the man I am today. And now, I am the man who's going to break your family. Piece by piece. The devil's coming. Tommy, I knew you would come for me. So how about we all just start shooting each other? Time to end this. Hello and welcome to the Movie Robcast. I'm your host Rob Daniel, and as always, well, no, Rob Wallace cannot be with us today. He has a very, very good reason, and we have a very, very good guest host who has agreed to step in for Mr. Wallace. Regular listeners to the show will have heard him already, so welcome back to the Movie Robcast, my wonderful guest host, Adrian Zach. Hello, thank you for having me, and thank you for, uh, well, I'll let, I'll let Rob out of the cupboard in a couple of hours, hopefully. So, uh... <laughs> well, we'll see how this goes, and then I'll say if that's necessary or not. Yeah, that's fair enough, fair deal, fair deal. I think so, I think he'd agree with that as well. Well, he would if I can take the tape off his mouth, but yeah. <laughs> So before we say where Mr. Wallace is, would you like to tell our listeners who haven't heard you on an episode before just a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, what do I do? I, well, I love films. I'm, a, I'm the acquisitions head for, I think, Britain's longest running independent film distributor. But I've been there a couple of years now. So, um, yeah, I just got back from uh, the, the market in, uh, in Cannes, which sounds like the most wanky thing I think I've said for quite a while. Very damp, lots of meetings, not going to black carpet events, unfortunately. <laughs> so you are industry through and through then? Oh yeah, pure industry. If you cut me, I bleed industry, yes. <laughs> and you said it was damp. Was it raining in Cannes in May? Yeah, it pissed down <laughs> most of it. Most, I think it was Friday, chucked it down the entire day pretty much. So I, I had a, a, my lunch was a quickly grabbed baguette which I was eating by the bins under a, an awning in the pissing rain chatting to a film composer I'd met called Nina in the queue so we would she was another Brit so we were chatting but yeah it was like ah, oh, sort of magic of can as the sort of rain was pouring around us and uh, yeah we were standing by the bins. Wow okay because uh, I know they have MIP in October and it always gets flooded out there but I thought it was pretty dry for the summer one. Um, it's, I've been, I mean, I've been to MIP before where it's, it's pissed with rain. I mean, one year, famously, they were renovating the roof of the building and it chucked it down with rain and the rain was pouring right through the building. So people were in, in the aisles with umbrellas, which was uh, interesting. I wasn't there when um, it flooded properly and there were cars being washed down the streets, which I've, I've, uh, I've I had a friend send me a video of it and it was, uh, it was horrific. <laughs> Wow, okay. But it also sounds like it could be a movie as well. Someone should have filmed it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was very cinematic. I mean, you had the cars floating down the street in these narrow, you know, all very cool. Unless, of course, it was your car. Yeah, it did. My no claims. My no claims. <laughs> well, yeah, no. I mean, it's like Fast and Furious. Maybe they just don't worry about things like that. Yeah, their insurance must be through the roof on this right now. Their premiums must be sky high. That's probably the thing there. Uh, we see getting uh, raided later right, in the yeah. film. <laughs> it, was their, it was their insurance account. Just in case you can hear anything in the background my end, I am recording in my flat and uh, so it could be a little bit noisy from my neighbours upstairs, hopefully won't be. And yeah, so where is Mr Wallace you ask? Well he is currently on a very nice sounding holiday in Japan. So I suppose he's doing a Tokyo Drift. <laughs> and he's literally doing a Tokyo Drift right now because he is in Tokyo. He sent me some pictures this morning and it looks like he's having a great time. But you will hear from him on this episode. He has sent through his thoughts on what he thought of Fast X, so we will be putting them into the show a little bit later. So, yes, today we are, of course, talking about Fast X. Well, I'm going to get onto the title in just a moment, but Adrian, would you like to do the honours and read out the IMDb plot synopsis? Oh, bucket list item. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll do the short one. So, um, Dom Toretto and his family are targeted by the vengeful son of drug kingpin Hernan Reyes. Or Reyes. R-E-Y-E-S. Reyes? I think it's Reyes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, so 
You think they would give him his name in the plot synopsis, uh, the Jason Momoa character's I name? I didn't really remember him, and obviously they, they weren't too bothered either because they kind of retconned everyone back into a film that was like five years ago or something. So Dante, that's who he plays. and Dante, yes. Obviously, there's lots and lots of meaning around that that is very, very surface level and A-level. And it's one of the many, many clever things that the film thinks it's doing. And we'll get into all of this because, heavens, there is quite a lot to talk about with this movie, just in terms of its big, bold decisions that it makes. But uh, just to put a bit of meat onto the IMDb plot synopsis, so this one is the 10th movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. 11th if you include Hobbs and Shaw. Yes, yes, very good. Yes, there was a spin-off, Hobbs and Shaw. So this one, so Dom and his family are targeted by someone that we haven't met before, but turns out was there all along in (laughs) Fast Five. So the villain from Fast Five had a son and the film opens up with some inserts from or some things that have been filmed that are supposed to be around the time of Fast Five and the climax of Fast Five that introduce the Dante character played by Jason Momoa. He has to seek revenge or he wants to seek revenge after the team are responsible for the death of his dad and he just unleashes a quite grand plan of revenge against Dom and the family. A flamboyant plan. A flamboyant plan, yes, indeed. And apparently the word family is said 56 times in this movie. So Eddie Murphy always used to have a record amount of F words in his films. This has got a record amount of this particular F word, I think. Family. So Adrian, 23 years ago, we went to a preview screening to watch The Fast and The Furious. I believe that's what the first one's called, isn't it? I think so. My my brain's so befuddled now. But uh, yeah, it was a long, 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 long time ago. Well, the You mean the uh, sort of cheap and cheerful B-movie about street racing? Yes, indeed. Well, actually, I say 23 years ago. It was only 22 years ago. Oh, only 22. Okay. I remember us watching that, walking out and saying, oh, that wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be. Oh, well, shall we go and get a drink? I... Never would have guessed that 22 years later we would be talking about the 10th instalment of that particular film. Nor the, the fact that it's the tentpole picture for Universal Studios. <laughs> and also, I didn't think when we watched it all those years ago, that's a film that's going to spawn a franchise in which individual films are going to do over a billion worldwide. Yeah, or that it's going to be sort of the universe equivalent of the Marvel Universe, where these people are suddenly international spies come car mechanics. Yeah, and they're going to go into space at one point, although in a really, really disappointing way, I thought. What, you mean they came back? Well, just the fact that two of them went into space for like five minutes in Fast 9, it's like, no, no, you should have done a Moonraker on one of these. The final act should have taken place in space, all the gang together, anyway. Well, they, they don't worry about the laws of physics, so they probably would have just had them driving around. It would have been quite fine. You know? <laughs> yeah, so this is a hugely successful franchise. You have Vin Diesel, obviously, as Dom Toretto, and, well, the entire gang is kind of back for this one. And four Oscar winners. Yeah, indeed. So, <laughs> well, I'm just going to give the, uh, the regular gang, and then you could talk about who the Oscar winners are. Mm. So... You've got Vin Diesel and you've got Michelle Rodriguez as his wife, Letty. You have Jordana Brewster as Mia, um, his sister. And it's not really a spoiler because it's archive footage, but Paul Walker is at the beginning of this film, but the very beginning of this film because you have some clips from Fast Five. You have Tyrese Gibson as Roman and Ludacris as Tay, is that how you say his name? Natalie Emmanuel as Ramsey. These are all the people that we've seen before. You've got John Cena is back. He was the villain in the last film, and now he's the good guy in this one. In true fast fashion. In true fast fashion. We'll get onto that as well, Jesus. Sung Kang as Han, who died. He died, didn't he? And, and now he's back. Wasn't there a case that at one point the movies were, def- were technically prequels because he was suddenly in it again? And then, and then they had to, and then they realised that was just stupid, even by their standards. So they had to sort of retcon a "oh, he escaped" kind of scene in one of the films to sort of pretend that the films do take place after Tokyo Drift rather than before. Yeah, that's right. It's like it all everything about this franchise <laughs> it's, it's, it's is like, like... It's, the timeline's more complicated than Primer. It really is, and it's like just the bold swings that a franchise can take when it thinks we don't have to make sense, guys. You do know that, right? 
this franchise is all over the place. But anyway, so who are the Oscar winners in this? You've got Charlize Theron, and then you've got Helen Mirren, who are both recurring or, you know, returning characters. Um, and then you've got Brie Larson and uh, Rita Marino turning up as well. So you've got four Oscar-winning actors slumming it in Fast and Furious. <laughs> it does seem a little bit like that, as, um, particularly Brie Larson. It's like, well, you've got Captain Marvel, so do, do you just want to put a down payment on an island or something? Because do you really need this? That said, I was happy when she turned up. But um, And also, we have Jason Statham. He appears in this, yes. as sure, and always very happy when the Statham appears in a movie. So, that's kind of some background. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you've all seen the trailers, and that's pretty much the film in terms of its plot. So, Adrian, the preview invites for this had a message on it that said... Leave your brain at home. This film... Yeah. They said, this film's title is pronounced Fast 10. It is not Fast X. And the guys on the film cast have a theory that the reason why they want it to be called Fast 10, not Fast X, is because Fast X sounds like a laxative. (laughs) Yes, I suppose it does, yes. With that in mind, would Fast X be a good name for this film, or would it be a slightly unkind name for this film? Um... Probably, I'm probably veering more towards that it would be fairly apt. I mean, I, I did enjoy it. I mean, I just sat back. I mean, I, I was just knackered after uh, Can, and I, and then I had to go and see it yesterday because I needed to do the, the podcast today. Um, so we're now <laughs> recording on Monday. Um, and I saw it at my local cinema, and it was the big screen, Dolby Atmos and stuff, and I just kind of switched my brain off and let it wash over me. I mean, I kind of sniggered a few times and I, I kind of enjoyed it I mean I, I still think I think the Rolling Stone review is possibly the spot on one which he said it's as if chat GPT had written a screenplay and it would have been less robotic and, and soulless because it's <laughs> it's just it's the franchise it's now as unwieldy as Marvel isn't it I mean I think mm. the problem is there's just too many characters and there are no stakes whatsoever because no one ever dies really in this in this franchise. And anytime someone, unless you're a you know an innocent civilian, because obviously the body count must be horrific for all of the uh, the the carnage they cause driving around the streets. But um, any of the main characters, even if you see them die, they're probably going to come back. Um, I mean, I, I thought Jason Momoa was was having a blast though, and I thought he was uh, the best thing in it. I mean, he's uh, you know borrowed Harry Styles trousers and he was just sort of <laughs> jumping around and having having the time of his life it seemed I'm like you to be honest I watched this after work on Friday and it had been quite a hectic week and it was a half past five in the evening showing so you know literally I left the office went straight to the cinema the film was just starting as I got there and I would be lying if I said I didn't have a good time with this movie it makes no sense at all. Uh, as you said, the laws of physics are just there to be slapped around. Well, I, I failed physics and even I was going, what? <laughs> Cars can't do that. There's a moment in this film when Dom is giving his young son drifting lessons. As, as you Teaching do. him how, yeah. how to drift a car to basically have to do cool skids. And he says something like, you have to feel the line, you have to understand the car. Oh, feel, no, feel the car. It's follow the line, feel the car. And then... I can't remember what the other thing is. This sort of thing would be written on a poster of a cat swinging on a tree or something. Well, that's the thing. Is it's follow the line, feel the car, and let it fly. <laughs> and I wrote in my notes, that's not how cars work. But then it's like, oh no, in a Fast and Furious film, that is exactly how cars work. Cars do fly and they are impervious to that. They get a little dented here and there, but they seem to be able to drop from hundreds of feet, smash into something and still actually move. The suspension of disbelief that these films ask you to make is as high as that kind of space trip they went to in the last one. It's like, it seems a car can fall from any height, but as long as it hits something that isn't the ground before it hits the ground, it's going to be fine. I mean, the shock absorbers on these things must be amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole the whole thing is insanity. I mean, you've got the bomb that rolls through Rome, and that's just like rolling over everything as if it's kind of like tin foil. All the other cars are just getting flat, and then somehow Dom's car is able, because the plot requires it, is able to um, slow the thing down. And then they don't seem to be too bothered as well that Dante's standing within the blast radius to watch it, which he doesn't seem particularly bothered about either. Because it only and then there's a scene there which is 
well, we can get to in spoilers, which did have me just kind of like shaking my head in the cinema. <laughs> Saying, going to get you for this, Rob? I mean, the film, the film does feel like it was written sort of by like a 12-year-old. Yeah. I think we might have said that about Fast 9. Um, it does feel like it's been written by a sort of 12-year-old, although, you know, there's, there's less boobs in it than there, there would be if a 12-year-old was given completely free reign, or Zack Snyder. Because <laughs> it's just a series of set pieces. I'm sure half the cast didn't meet each other until the premiere. And it's, <laughs> it's like a Bond film, isn't it? It's like all different locations. But it's like a Roger Moore Bond film, unfortunately, not, a, not one of the good ones, particularly. It's not The Spy Who Loved Me. It's, it is more Moonraker. I think it does. I mean, the space thing. I think was also kind of them reveling in the uh, in their own ridiculousness and sort of at least acknowledging it because that was always been the joke. It's like, well, how are they going to top? Were they going to go into space? So they, obviously they did go into space. Yeah, it's a weird one because the audiences presumably aren't there to see the stunts because they're not real stunts. I mean, they're, they're CG. It's like a CGI showreel for double negative. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, the, the weird thing is that ball bomb thing does have some weight to it. It does seem to have some heft, unlike most of the CG. And then it all goes tits up when they set it on fire because then it just looks like this weird CG sort of thing without any sort of mass or anything. So it's a very strange one. But if you look at it compared to films like the original Gone in 60 Seconds, the original Blues Brothers, which I guess the mall mm. scene is probably the nearest equivalent in the analogue age to this kind of mayhem. Or stuff like, you know, even Smokey and the Bandit or there's that amazing... Amazing um, French short was it Cete and Rendezvous? Have you ever seen that? Which is just where they no. they strapped they got a Formula One driver in a high performance like Ferrari and they strapped a camera on the front and they had him bombing around the streets of Paris at about five a.m. Mm. and that's just like insanity. I mean, and it's all for real. Whereas this one, it's just they're in a green screen. It's like being a kid, isn't it? It's like driving going brum 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 doing the steering wheel. Nothing's real. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And then you go back to Bullet and you go to the French Connection and also to Ronin, which has an amazing mm. car chase through the tunnels of Paris or the um, underpass of Paris. Yeah, it's one of those because I was watching it thinking, I'm enjoying the action in this because of how silly it is. But I'm very aware that this is all CGI. Some of the fight scenes were good, I thought. They were yeah. Yeah, pretty crunchy. And you could see that sometimes it was them doing it. Yeah, I mean, this film shouldn't work, but it kind of did for me, even though... It was kind of... It was entertaining and silly. I mean, the weird thing is, in Fast 9, there was no, there's an amazing stunt where a car flips and goes through a shop in Edinburgh and ends up in the back of a lorry. And you look at it, and it's it looks like it's all CG. And then if you go on YouTube, that was done practically. That was a real car, admittedly on a yeah. rail, being thrown through the front of a, a fake shop into the back of a truck and then they you know obviously painted out the track and put some cg enhancements in but you're just so used to it all being kind of this cg you don't really know your eyes are just telling you oh, it's just cg anyway it's it's a weird it's all fake yeah it's a weird thing and then the fight thing as well it sort of seems to be tying into the john wick you've got all these hen faceless henchmen in this body armor that actually doesn't seem to work as body armor because they all seem to get shot quite easily. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I just didn't understand. I mean, and they are, and they're all very polite. It's like the old Bruce Lee films where everyone waits their turn to wade in on a, on a fight. But it's ticking boxes, you know. It's, I've always I've always thought the ability to drive a car fast is the most pointless of the superpowers. <laughs> you know, I get I guess I'm in a minority. You know, I, I was a bit surprised by their standards. Some of the uh, physics breaking goes to new extremes. Um, I mean, I, we can get onto that in spoilers, I guess. But um, and and the body count must be hunt. I mean, there's a great bit where they cut away and they say casualties were minimal. And it's like you have just thrown a fireball. <laughs> like a bomb on fire <laughs> through the street and yet there's lots of people sort of getting just out of the way in time there's quite that's quite funny where you've got the ball just missing someone or lots of people are just getting out of the way before this thing smashes them but there are loads of cars getting absolutely flattened and you're thinking there's a lot of people here died on that point of the bomb though i was thinking that's not how inertia works because yes it rolled down some hills sometimes but it rolled along flats for quite a while and it's like well it's really heavy presumably and I mean yeah okay fine I mean this is what we're doing and I think because that comes quite early on in the film that's kind of the big first major set piece you're kind of thinking okay so you've set your stall out early in terms of just how silly you're gonna be I'm kind of okay with this but I'm with you on the on fire it was like the big thing that CGI could never do was water, and then it was hair. But fire is, just seems to be the one, it's the Achilles heel. It can, I think it can work in some circumstances. Just to, I mean, it's just they're trying to do something very silly with it. You've got fire on a moving object. 
that's rolling through a real location. That, to me, was when it did look very, very CG. Well, Backdraft, I suppose, the old Kurt Russell film, that must have had some CGI work in it somewhere, but that was that was good fire. Um, but they used a lot of practical for that, though, yeah. Yeah, because normally, I mean, with the, it was always the cheesy thing with models, wasn't it? You couldn't get... Because you can't scale fire down. Yeah. You know, it always looks wrong. You know, you get the Thunderbirds effect, the smallest flame looks massive. It's churlish to be sort of complaining about this because the whole thing of the yeah, the the agency using what who were a bunch of street thugs and petty criminals for their missions because they can drive real well. <laughs> I can see a flatal floor in, floor in your flam, which is just what if it's not near a road? Yeah, <laughs> and and the fact that they ship their cars everywhere, so this is slightly impractical to say the least. It is. Well, before we get into spoilers, I think this is, yeah, this is best discussed in spoilers. Very quickly, did you notice the Christopher Nolan homages that were coming thick and fast in this movie? Because there are a number of them. No, I don't think I did. What were they? At the beginning, when the score's playing over the logos, it's a very Hans Zimmer, Christopher Nolan score. I thought it was quite a Hans Zimmer score that you'd kind of get in a Christopher Nolan film playing over the credits. And then it was like, okay, so you've got a big round bomb in the back of a truck. That's The Dark Knight Rises. I had just watched the Oppenheimer trailer, so yeah, that was, there was a bit of similarity. Indeed, and it's also, at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, there's a big bomb in a truck that they're trying to get rid of, and they can't get rid of this bomb. And a truck flips up like it does in The Dark Knight. Dom has to make a choice between who to save at one point, which is very much like The Dark Knight with Harvey Dent and Rachel. And Jason Momoa is doing the Joker. He is the Joker. Not just the Heath Ledger Joker. He's actually a lot like the Joker in the comics. There's one scene, and we'll get to it in spoilers, when he's having a powwow with a couple of his henchmen. Oh, yes. But it's yes. very much like the Joker in the comics. And I was quite surprised to see that in a 12 certificate film, I have to admit. But yeah, there's all these kind of like Nolan Dark Knight references in there. And it actually goes to your point about this was written by AI. And it said, all right, then well, let's just look at some other stuff that's had some trucks in it and bombs. Okay, right, well, we'll just do that again. We'll do that then. Yeah, so, and John Cena, I do like John Cena. I think John Cena's great. A bit like Jason Statham as well, in the sense that he's, you know, he plays the heavies and all of that stuff, but he's actually got a gift for comedy. Oh, yeah. He's happy to say to piss out himself. I mean, Jason Statham in Spy is one of the oh. the best comedy performances I've seen for years. I mean, and John Cena, you know, he's done a few of those kind of things where he's just great. I mean, even in the Terrible Daddy's Home films, I mean, he's kind of steals a couple of scenes. And he does, he does have that Bruce Campbell thing where he looks like a cartoon character come to life. And mm. he's always like a watchable presence. And actually, so Mark from the Honeymoon Period podcast, hello Mark and Elaine. Um, so Mark went to WrestleMania this year and John Cena was there. So I was watching some of the WrestleMania videos to kind of see what Mark would be talking about on the next episode. And John Cena was there with the Make-A-Wish kids and he was so great with them and was quite moving because mm. they were so happy to be there and he was just so great with them before he went off and did his match and stuff. So all of that makes it so disappointing whenever I look at John Cena. All I can see is someone who groveled to the genocidal Chinese government in Chinese. Yes, I was going to Particularly after he did that really cool ad, uh, like advert for in the States about pointing out that the US is made up of... It's, a, it's an immigrant nation and most of the, you know, the average American is actually... So I think it was a sort of Latino woman or so. You know, he, was, he broke down the population into all the different demographics. It's a really good advert. I think it's on YouTube. Presumably he, was, he did it as well because he was worried that, you know, the sort of... He was getting associated with sort of rednecks. It's just, I was just very, it's like, oh, how much money do you need that you're going to kowtow to a genocidal government in their own language? I imagine it was in his contract that they didn't want to fuck up the fast franchise in China. That's exactly Given the it. market. So yeah, it was probably, you know, he probably had his kids off camera <laughs> being dangled over a crocodile pit or something. In a way, I hope so, because it's like that's the only thing that would really justify that. And I will play a clip of it at the end, because it's so... Uh, I just thought, John, I've lost quite a lot of respect for you here, I'm afraid. I you, mean, you could balance it by playing a clip from the other thing as well, where he talks about this thing. So that's quite a nice... It's a nice, uh, it's a nice thing. Yeah. But, um, it's. I mean, Jason Momoa, I thought, was a good addition to the franchise. I mean, he'll probably be good in the next one, because that seems to be how it works. I mean, Statham's now on their side. 
Oh, yeah. John Cena is now a goodie. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Momoa turns out to be um, in the gang next in the next movie. Just a bit misunderstood. Do you remember, was it Fast 6 that opens with the Jason Statham characters, Shaw, having massacred an entire hospital? It's 6 or 7. He basically kills everyone in St. Thomas's Hospital yeah. in London to get to some witness. Was it? It's 6 because that's the London one, yeah. Yeah, he was just misunderstood. And it's like, you've killed hundreds of people single-handedly. Nurses, doctors and patients. and Yeah, and then, and, and, you know, there's some things you can't really come back from, but <laughs> apparently you can. Well, actually, on that note as well, because Charlize Theron, of course, she seems to be kind of being moved over as well, but she killed someone, and they actually show it in this film. It's in a previous film. Mm. I cannot for the life of me remember who she kills, but it's someone very close to Letty and Dom, isn't it? And Wasn't I... it Dom's original wife or there's some or some girlfriend? Oh, yeah. That, I was looking at it thinking, right. I don't remember this at all. Because wasn't, is it Letty, Michelle yeah. Rodriguez's character? Wasn't she a villain at one point? Yeah, but she had amnesia. Of course, of course, <laughs> that was it. I mean, it's fucking mad. Overall, I'd say uh, this film, two hours, 20 minutes, uh, I wasn't bored. One thing we have to say is this is the first half of a two-part film, so don't expect an ending. Yeah, that was fucking annoying. I mean, I thought there'd at least be a better cliffhanger, and it's like, oh, that's it. Okay, fine. It was a bit sort of um, half assed I think is the phrase. Well, I think it's one of those where you think, I don't trust what I've just seen, basically, so we'll see what happens. You'd think they were building it up a bit bigger. It's the sort of, they almost like end it in the middle of a scene, and it's like, oh, okay. But it was good to see Louis Leterrier, who did the Transporter films, and I do like those movies. Good to see him helming another big one, because what was the last big film that he did? I can't remember off the top of my head. I heard him interviewed on the radio, and he was talking about he was he was brought in with about two weeks' notice. So I can't remember. I think it was Justin Lin walked away for right. creative differences. So I'm assuming Vin Diesel. And so he literally had two weeks' notice to make the film. And that kind of possibly shows a little bit in the sense that it doesn't really make any narrative sense, but... <laughs> Well, the thing is, the creative differences in a Fast and Furious movie, is like, well, they're all the same. I mean, I don't know. Okay, fine. Yeah, I think it might have just been egos. But um, really, the last big film that he did was The Brothers Grimsby. So... Louis the Terrier. Yeah, he did oh, God. that. I went, to the, I went to the premiere of that, which is the one where they he turned up with a van with all the kids. <laughs> Instead of a black limo, he turned up in like a transit van. I do like that film. It's a foul movie, but I do have a soft spot for it. He did do the Dark Crystal series, which I haven't seen, but apparently is good. And Now You See Me, which I have seen and can confirm is shit. Yeah, The Incredible Hulk. I mean, we're going back to 2008 time now, so... Um, but I'll always have a soft spot for Danny the Dog, also known as Unleashed, the Jet Li film. Which is great. Yeah, it's a great film, that. <laughs> and he can do the action, so yes. All right, then. Well, anything else to say about the film before we get into spoilers? Well, apart from the fact there's no consequences and it's completely bloodless, no, it's, I think we're... Uh... <laughs> We're fine. Spoiler! <laughs> That's a joke. Okay, cool. You are going to hear a bit of the trailer. And once you've heard that, we will be in the spoiler zone. I'll give another spoiler warning after that so that you can turn off if you haven't seen the film. There actually are some quite nice surprises in this film, I have to admit. I did write down one and put lots of exclamation marks after it. So there are some things that it would be worth not knowing before you see it. And I'll say there is a mid credit sequence... But there's not an end credit sequence because I sat through the end credits that seemed to last another two and a half hours to see if there was anything at the end and there was nothing. I did cheat and Google it before going in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that. I should. I always forget to do that. But there is a mid credit scene and you will want to watch that. Definitely, yes. So let's go into spoilers. Baha. But before that, here is some Rob Wallace with his views on Fast X. Sorry, Fast 10. Fast X. Yo, family. This is Rob Wallace uh, dialing in from Tokyo, where I'm partaking in what I believe is known as a Tokyo Drift. Anyway, between the drifts, as I believe they're called, I found time to watch and have some quick opinions on Fast X, the latest instalment in the Fast and Furious franchise. That increasingly keeps dropping the word furious in its titles so that you end up, in this case, with one that sounds like something you get over the counter at the pharmacy. 
I mean, are they not furious in this one? I mean, I can name at least one character who seems very angry. And that character is Dante, played by Jason Momoa, the new big bad, who's after Dom because of their involvement in his father's death in the events of Fast Five, ten years ago. So, you know, he, he took his time. On the scale of fasts and furuses, I, uh, I enjoyed this, more so than number nine, which ultimately kind of squandered the promise of Dom and crew go into space. Though this does have some of the same problems, narratively speaking. There are too many plots running in parallel. You've got Dom going mano a mano with Dante, and you've got splinter groups of the rest family are off doing their own thing. There are just so many threads and so many characters, um, and some new ones, including ones played by Brie Larson, uh, Captain Marvel from Captain Marvel, and Alan Richardson, who is, well, Reacher from Reacher. There are, spoilers, some character deaths, but they mostly seem to be incidental characters who are being treated as though they're much more important than they actually are. It's two hours and 20 minutes of furious, there we go, gravity-defying car chases, including one where, apparently, Rome is all downhill leading to the Vatican, as though St. Peter's Basilica is essentially just the hole in a pinball machine. You know, you've really got to applaud any film that manages to make angels and demons look grounded. Anyway, to sum up, uh, it's more Fast and Furious. It's two hours and 20 minutes long, and I wasn't bored. Though, as said, I am in Tokyo, and I saw it in IMAX, so I was probably quite inclined to enjoy myself. Back to the studio. Cannon cars. Do you like surprises? I adore them. And that was splendid to hear from Rob, all the way in Japan. Okay, you are now in the spoiler zone, so if you haven't seen the film, as we said, I'll give you a couple of seconds to turn off. If you're still listening, we presume that you have seen the film. So, Adrian, which one of the spoilers do you want to go into first? Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> okay, Gal Gadot comes back. She has to be a twin, right? She, Yeah, I mean, she must be. She was like a pancake. She fell off the back of a moving plane. <laughs> And and now she can drive a submarine, so presumably it's the sub the naval sister that we didn't know about. I love that, and now she can drive a submarine. He's not gripped with fever, guys. This is literally what happens. Well, actually, you'll know because you've seen it now. I even thought at one point that they just maybe used footage from the uh, Batman v Superman when she gets in the car, and they just like digitally replace the outfit because she. I don't think she actually says anything either, does she? No, she just smiles and waves. She's yeah. got the binoculars. There was one piece of music in there that reminded me of the Wonder Woman theme from Batman v Superman and thought, oh, that's a bit like that. And then when she pops up at the end, I thought, was that like a little hint that she was going to be back? But she's dead. But then no one dies because John Cena's death. I mean, for fuck's sake, he's going to be back in the next movie. I mean, it doesn't make any... And his death is so fucking stupid as well. It is. With his cannon car that can... And he's like, I'll clear the way from you and then promptly blows his car up to block the road and he's thinking well that plan's not great but in the fast world it works because there's always a gap big enough for Dom to drive his car through that's right I was quite surprised when I suddenly realised he was going to make the ultimate sacrifice and the way he does it when he's uh, spinning round and he's got that look on his face I have to admit oh yeah that was I hilarious. was laughing quite a lot I was expecting it that's like something out of a Will Ferrell film <laughs> he seems to be flying through the air for quite some time, upside down. <laughs> and it was like, oh, right, so you're going to kill him off then? But it was like something from the other guys or something. It was so ludicrous that he just spins through the air and lands on them exactly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, laws of physics, as we said, don't apply in this universe. But um, yeah, fucking hell. I mean, my theory is that, understandably, the cast and crew never got over the death of Paul Walker, which was a real shock when it happened. Exactly. And they just don't want anyone to start. They want everyone to come back. And I think that in the next film, he's going to be in it. His character, Brian, is going to be in the final film. They will find a way to bring him back. Well, they did. They used his brother, didn't they? And they did, did some digital yeah. work. I'm, I, I think this might all be an allegory for cloning or something. And I think actually they're going to go to uh, an island and they'll suddenly find millions of copies of themselves. Oh, oh, Adrian. I think you struck a wheel. She is a clone. Fan fiction time. It's all clone. They're all clones. They die every time. It's like, um, oh, other spoiler. It's like the prestige. Oh, yeah. Christopher Nolan. It's another Christopher Nolan. It's another Christopher. Oh, my God. Yes. It's another Nolan film. Yeah. So Gal Gadot isn't a twin. She's a clone. 
Because don't they say in one of these films, is it Fast 9 where they kind of, where the Tyrese Gibson character, Roman, says, no, no, it's fine, we can't be hurt because look what keeps happening to us and there's no way this can just be random chance. So you mean then they're all going to find out they're actually in a video game? Know that they're actually clones, and when one of them dies, the other one just picks up immediately with all their memories, apart from the memory of their own death. Well, it's Westworld. It is Westworld. It is. They just keep being reset. Um, it's the only way to explain any of this. They'll go to a freezer in the basement, and there will be hundreds of them just standing there in a line. That's right. That's what they're going to find out. Jesus. And actually, that thing that you said about... So they started off as, weren't they boosting DVD players or something in the first film to pay for their cars? Yeah, they were nicking DVD players and stealing cars and, you know, living life a quarter of a mile at a time. And now they're employed by the agency to do all these missions. But of course, the agency is kind of after them because of the mole in there, played by Alan Richson uh, as Ames. Well, that was the insulting bit as well, because they retconned him into the Fast Five, didn't they? They they showed Mm. him in the scene as well just in case you were too stupid to realise he was a villain. Yeah, that's So they right. had to... Sh- they showed him shooting down the fucking plane that some of the the fast gang are in, although he's a shit shot because if you're going to shoot a plane down, shoot the cockpit, shoot the wing, shoot the fuselage, don't shoot the engine. Yeah. So it just goes candily round the corner of the mountain and there's an explosion. So next one, next time, we'll obviously see them driving free as the uh, plane banks round the mountain. But they, they felt the need to show him sitting in the office with um, Jason Momoa's character, Dante. I found that insulting, really. Well, this is a film that won't allow you to reach your own conclusions about what's happening. Because Jason Momoa's character, Dante, says, I don't know if you picked up on it, but that bomb rolling through the city was like an homage to what you did with my safe that time. And it's like, yeah, I kind of got that. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Although less people died this time as they did when yes. you dragged that safe through the streets of Rio. Killing thousands, it must have done. <laughs> Yeah, all that stuff, I could have think, you're right, they don't want to kill anyone off, apart from the people in the cars that you never see. Like, so many people have to die in this film, including, because I quite like the John Cena subplot with Dom's son. I thought that was quite Mm. funny sometimes. But that bit when they're driving in the souped-up kind of homemade Batmobile that he's got that's um, shooting those rockets, it's like, well, that kid is firing the rockets, and the rockets are hitting cars. That kid is killing people. (laughs) Passenger, or like the people in those cars. And yes, they're bad guys, but there's no way anyone's walking away from that. It'll cut to the Austin Powers scene of the month. Daddy's coming home from work soon. I was waiting for something like that, because it's like, he is killing all these people. But John Cena's character, Jacob, at one point says, it's okay to say shit if you're doing... What is it? If you stub your toe or or something else, or if you're pancaking cars, it's like, he's not pancaking cars. He's blowing up vehicles people. filled with petrol and people. <laughs> so, Well, there was another fine. bit of the sun as well, with the, insane, the, the typical fast thing where they spin cars around and people leap from one car to the other. <laughs> and somehow completely in a, against the laws of physics. And he does that with his son. And it's like, okay, so what were you, did you practice that with your child? How is your child going to decide to leap out of a moving fucking car? That was just insanity for me. Well, at that point, I was so completely bamboozled by the film that it was like, whatever you want to do, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at that point, I mean, once the kid's got a body count, it's just like, all bets are off. Yes, um, actually that kid is called Little Brian and is played by Leo Abello Perry. So uh, that's his name, just give him a shout out. But yeah, when they drive down the dam, it's like, yep, <laughs> okay. So you're going to drive down something else. Like, but they drove down a cliff in the last one, Dom and Letty. So it's like, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering what was going to happen when they got to the bottom of the dam because I was assuming it wasn't built like a ski slope, but I guess it was because the the car, I was expecting it to just go Doof, and just land, <laughs> just a big block. <laughs> but then there was, you know, there was also the weird thing with the um, physics doctor um, candidate, Dom Toretto, where <laughs> he decides to stop the bomb by driving his car into a crane. Oh, yes, that's right. Which <laughs> spins round and then knocks the bomb. It's like mousetrap. Yes. Off the bridge into the river. 
where you know as Ramsey said you know the effect is 10 times less but you're just thinking surely you just drive your car into the weighted end of a crane you're just going to stop dead right. you know it's like what happened to Dom well he basically drove into a concrete wall it really is like he drove into the weighted end of a crane and the car still went this is the tumbler from the Dark Knight right this is I mean and even that had to turn into the bat pod at one point because of all the damage it was taking but uh, but not his cars there was something with the... Oh, yeah, Jason Statham sure is in this for a scene and clearly going to have more to do in the next one. That's the point, actually, where I realised, oh, this is really not going to be a self-contained story, is it? You're kind of having guest appearances. So Brie Larson is kind of a cameo in this, but you're kind of thinking she'll have more to do next time. Well, yeah, it's like this week's special guest. Da, 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 da. And then you've got the cliffhanger. Well, it's not even a cliffhanger because it just ends... It just sort of fizzles out. You're waiting for the dam to blow, which is the next big thing. And that's in the next movie. So that's how they're going to start the next movie, is that a dambler. But it keeps, it's a bit like the old Flash Gordon serial where something will happen and then it rewinds a few minutes and you see, so, you know, and something else happened. And, oh, they're free. You know, they jump free or they will skip out of this because it doesn't really make any sense unless it's going to go very dark and Dom Toretto just leaves his kid behind and runs off. <laughs> yeah, that water is coming for them. And it's like, well, there's no way you're going to outrun that. Or maybe there is. I mean, I can remember in the Fast Five trailer when Dom and Brian go off the cliff in that car and they come out the back of the car. And I thought, wow, I can't wait to see the film to see how they're going to get out of that, you know, before hitting the water. And it will be like hitting concrete. Oh, no, they they do just hit the water and they survive. Oh, all right. I didn't think you could do that. And presumably would hit the car because they obviously they'd be falling at the same rate. Yeah, indeed. Terminal velocity doesn't... (laughs) Oh, my God, these films. Actually, one other thing that I thought was pretty darn great and I suppose I said that the bit with the bomb was the first big action scene but I suppose actually the first big action scene in the film is when Charlize Theron's character Cypher is almost killed by her own men because Jason Momoa's character has kidnapped all of their loved ones so they're going to have to turn on her. That was actually a really well done sequence and really imaginative and that actually was a sort of plot twist that sort of seemed to come from a better movie. Yes. Because that was just so ruthless and horrible and just perfect but then he did that stupid thing of like you know it's the austin powers thing with uh, seth green's character it's like shoot him in the head yeah. make sure he dies you know so jason momoa is like right i'm off now takes the stuff doesn't wait the extra 30 seconds to see charlie's Theron dead yeah <laughs> gives her time to escape but that's kind of the convention of this sort of film because as you said this is a roger moore bond film oh yeah yeah i mean you know everyone ignores the uh, the advice from john polito in uh, miller's crossing don't they always put one in the brain <laughs> put one in the brain but that was a good action scene though, i thought i mean that was the thing well dante's thing it's all you know you've got to suffer and it's like okay fine and then halfway through he just decides the suffering's ho- over and now he's just going to kill them well, I thought that was quite good when he kind of said, okay, so now you're united with your son and you think you've got away, but you haven't because I'm going to blow up the dam and yeah, you suffered enough and now you're going to die knowing that you can't save your kid. I thought that was quite good, but I'm sorry. At the beginning of this film when they're talking about family and I love the scenes they always have at the beginning of the Fast and Furious films where they are having a barbecue or something and they're all talking about how much they love each other and how much they mean to each other and it is literally like an AI bot has tried to understand how humans talk to each other. This is what humans do. Yeah. This is Urzat's emotion. This is none of this. This is all synthetic. It's like, how could you be this hollow? Even by accident, you'd stumble across a genuine emotion, but not at all. Well, I'm with, I'm with Adam Richardson's character. It's like, I hate barbecue. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, they just seem to have, you know, they're sponsored by Corona. I mean, the other thing for me, I mean, I was making big value judgments when they turned up in Rio in the uh, for the car race. And there's all these people dancing around. I was just like, what, you just want to watch? But it's like Romford on a Saturday night. <laughs> you just want to see people dance, you know, drive cars fast. That's your entertainment. It's like, wow, okay. And again, no one died there. It's like, I'm sorry, there's a, I mean, there's the, there's the ultimate Mexican standoff, or it, although it's, you know, it's a, um, it's a Brazilian standoff in this one. You know, there's something, everyone's got guns. It's like, no one's wearing anything, but they're all packing guns somewhere. You don't want to know where I pack my gun. <laughs> Jesus, it's like a Cronenberg film. Oh, I just dropped it because it was sweaty down there. Yeah. So Dom and Letty talk about how much they love their son, little Brian. But then go off on the most dangerous mission in the world and keep putting themselves in danger. And it's like, well, what about the kid you've left behind? Well, that's because Dom knows that, you know, there's another 20 of him in the garage that they can just pull up. Yeah. Or are you saying we're all in the Matrix? 
because the next film is going to be the last one. It will be interesting to see if they do have some kind of massive twist or if it is just that Jason Momoa is just going to be the big bad and there's going to be no other twist or any other subplot to this. But it's a weird thing to end it on 11 films. I know there's 12 with Hobbs and Shaw, but it does seem a bit weird that they would end it on Fast 11. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? So, um, a friend of mine, his his son came, said the uh, came up with possibly the best gag, which is why didn't they call it Fasten? Because it's Fast 10. Oh, that's very good. Fasten. <laughs> friend's son said that so uh, well he wins not my joke but we haven't talked about the other major spoiler which is the mid-credits scene thing is there anything else to talk about before we get to that because i think that's what we end on because it was so amazing but um <laughs> actually yes yeah, so what and actually ties into hobson shaw and obviously um all the people that were in that hopefully vanessa kirby will be in the next film because she seems to have been completely forgotten about so she plays was she in one of the fast movies yeah she is jason statham's sister oh hobson shaw yes of course sorry i'd forgotten and it's like well hobbs has got um sorry shaw has got a sister and it was vanessa kirby so hopefully she'll be in it again even though hilariously they're supposed to be the same age (laughs) they're not (laughs) and she's also doing mission impossible she's also in the mission impossible universe as well so it's all getting very confusing so i wondered is it one of those things where they couldn't get her for this one but they'll get her for the next one because she was too wrapped up with dead reckoning to do anything on this one but hopefully she'll be there for it I'm just wondering whether it's going to turn into um, Avengers Endgame and there'll just be this huge standoff thing at the end. It'll be on your left and it'll be like half the other characters are going to rock up. Oh, it has to be right. They're going to do something like that. Paul Walker will definitely be in the next movie. But yeah, the scene that... It actually got quite a big laugh and quite a surprise laugh because it's in a 12th certificate movie. But that bit when Dante is having mimosas with his two dead henchmen who... Oh, yeah. And he's kind of... (laughs) And one's got a real rictus grin on his face and his eyes have been taped open. But they've all been taped. Their eyes and their mouth have been taped sort of open. Yes. And then you, you suddenly realise there's flies buzzing. He's painting the guy's toenails, isn't he? That's the That's thing. Right. He's just sort of such a weird character thing, but really disturbing. It is. It's like there have been Batman comics where the Joker has done stuff like that. But this seems, this is really... Just that one guy who's got that real grin on his face is like, that's a genuinely disturbing image. And the BVFC say that 12A at the cinema is is advisory. You shouldn't really bring anyone under eight. Fuck it out, right? I mean, that's quite a strong image. But yeah, I did like the way that um, Dante, the Jason Moe character, I did like the way that he was so unhinged, but was this kind of weird, gender-fluid, metrosexual psychopath. With Harry Styles dresser with the, those sort of high-waisted silk trousers. Yes, and at one point kind of has his hair in those little bunches like an anime character or something. Yes, yeah. It's like, oh, I I do like the fact that you're having such fun with this. Well, he's having a great time, and, he, and then he's got this sort of um, amazing nail polish. Yes. He's rocking that. <laughs> and but he, I mean, he's got a weird propensity for sort of putting his arms out in a sort of crucifix pose. But um, that aside, yeah, he's having a way. He was having an absolute blast. I mean, he, he, for me, he stole the film anyway. I mean, he was anytime he was on screen, it was really because you just didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. Yeah, and you kind of think, I think a lot of this might be ad-libbed. And it's also one of those things where, because he's so much fun, you actually realise there are long stretches of, of the film that haven't got him in there. And it's like, well, it's actually been a while since we saw Dante. And then he comes back and, uh, yes, and does something. With another ridiculous plan. With another ridiculous plan. So, yeah, I'm just trying to think, is there any other spoilers before we get to the big one, which is the mid credit scene? Yeah, so Helen Mirren was in it. She's doing the grandkids inheritance tour. Yeah. Like, check, please. I mean, that's the thing. There's there's too many characters. They're not actually together, I think, most of them. They scattered them all over the place on their different missions. Mm. The thing I heard of the director being interviewed, he sounded like he was directing from this sort of bank of monitors that they were filming all of these sequences kind of almost at the same time. So he was having to direct, you know, someone in Italy and then someone somewhere else. <laughs> it's a weird unwieldy beast now isn't it i mean the irony being they wouldn't all fit in a car anymore they'd have to get a coach yeah yeah when you said i think a lot of the cast met for the first time at the premiere it's like yeah you're right it actually never really occurred to me when i was watching the film but it's like not a lot of these people spend a lot of time together and some of them never meet and it is like a production line isn't it it's like you're not a director you're a kind of project manager Mm. 
you oversee all the machine parts being made and then you put it together afterwards and it's not precision engineered though i have to admit it's not that <laughs> it is a little bit clunky kind of more yeah sort of the skoda of it the, is, it uh, is the precision engineering yeah it's not it's not the ferrari but it does have some charm to it well shall we get to the mid-credit scene yes what happens in it well, there's a raid on a over-elaborate um, sort of video installation by Dante, <laughs> and one of the uh, the SWAT team, the the one who's built like a brick shit house and is obviously twice the size of everyone else, takes his mask off, and it is Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, whose character, which one's he? Hobbs. He's Hobbs. He's back. Yeah, and he crunches us an iPhone with his bare hands. He is after saying. Then come and get me some bitch or something like that. Some bitch, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not quite as good as, the, I think, the greatest moment in any of the Fast franchise, which is when he breaks the, he flexes his biceps, break the cast on his arm and says, Daddy's got to go to work. That's right. That is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and the second best moment in the Fast franchise is in Fast 5 when it says, yeah, anything else? And he turns around and says, yeah, stay the fuck out of my way. Which is literally a line from Team America, and it's pretty much the same scene as well. And it's like, okay, we're doing this straight face now? That's fine. And it is mad that the Fast and Furious films were not very good until Fast Five, and then suddenly, for some reason, Fast Five was, like, really enjoyable and just a blast. That was the one that suddenly the film... Didn't the film do more in its opening weekend than the previous film had done in its entire run? Yeah, it was like a real surprise hit. And then it grossed a billion, and Universal were just like, fuck, what have we done? More, please. Check those contracts. Check they're signed up yeah. for another nine films. And they can't renegotiate their points either. They're staying with what they're being given. Because I think that Fast Five, the original script for that was the Brazilian job that was going to be a sequel to the Mark Wahlberg, the Italian job, wasn't it? And they basically did a refurb on it and turned it into a Fast and Furious film when the Brazilian job never got made. Well, it seems like sort of the retconning seems to be the uh, the uh, modus operandi for the whole franchise. It's like, well, we can just redo anything. But yeah, it makes sense. Although I, I'm 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 sure if the Brazilian job, they probably wouldn't have pulled be able to pull that safe with a load of minis. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They would have. Or, well, they could have souped up some minis. I have to admit though, when the Rock takes off his mask and is revealed to be the Rock, I did write down in big letters, "The Rock!" Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Well, I'd, somehow it had been spoiled for me that he was coming back. I can't remember there was oh. something online said he was going to be in it. I mean, and the irony being that him and Vin Diesel's character are thousands of miles apart, which is probably where they have to be in real life. But that's the thing, just for him to agree to be in it, because he had such an acrimonious public spat with Vin Diesel. Mm, who's actually one of the producers on the film. Absolutely. So you're right, even though it could only be The Rock because of how big he is... I just did not think that was going to be The Rock and thought, my God, how did this happen? Because <laughs> The Rock's got a massive ego and Vin Diesel's got a massive ego. Neither of them are going to admit that they're wrong. But they must have just, I don't know, I, I would love to have seen that conversation. Well, there's millions of dollars. Although if I was Vin D if I was um, Dwayne Johnson, I probably wouldn't have taken a fee. I would have just made uh, Vin Diesel perform like a seal or something. or. Yeah. Bark like a dog for talk like a dog for a day or something something like that you know. But it really is like so. Hobbs will be back for the last one. I am very very happy about that, and I would just love to have seen the conversation. And it could have been like, okay, yeah, if you say please, can you come back to the fast films in a dog voice, then I will come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and let me film it for my children. I, I mean, yeah. I'm just waiting now for Idris Elba to come back because obviously he died as well, so he's got to come back. Oh, yeah, he was the baddie in Hobson Shaw, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And he's, so he's got to come back as a goodie. Yeah, yeah, he will. I mean, if you're being... Well, it's not unfair. I think it's just being realistic. If you're being realistic, The Rock could do with a hit. Although this film only did $67.5 million in the US in its opening weekend. Really? I thought it did 167 no, no, um, at 67. Oh, wow. These I films, that. But these films have never done that well at the US box office. They tend to do well around the world because it's done 200 million around the world in its opening weekend. So 267.5 million total for its opening weekend, which is not bad. That's pretty good. But didn't the other one do something like half a billion or something in our opening weekend? One of them did, yeah. Yeah. That was a pre-COVID. Oh, Paul Walker. That's when Paul Walker died, wasn't it? It might have been that one, yeah. It could have been fast... Seven, 
but that was a pre-COVID film as well. True. I'm assuming it's not on Peacock already, because that's the no. other thing that they're doing, but they fucked their own box office. <laughs> no, this one is only going to be a, a cinema. It's got 31 days. It's got 31 days to make its money. I think they will keep it for a little bit longer in cinemas if it's still turning over. So yeah, so it was big um, and lots of fun. I am, I have to admit, very much looking forward to the next movie because we're going to get more Statham, we're going to get The Rock, we're going to see how they're going to bring John Cena back, we're going to see if Gal Gadot is a twin or if she's a clone. I love your theory. It's the only thing that would make sense. We'll get more Brie Larson and hopefully we'll get Vanessa Kirby as well. So, yeah, jobs are good and And Idris Elba. And Idris Elba, yes, he will come back as a goodie as well. It is insane how they retconned the Jason Statham character. Not even retconned, they just don't talk about the fact that he killed all those people. Well, he didn't kill Han, did he? He did, and then he didn't. (laughs) It just... uh, No, it turns out he survived. Or he shot him nearby or something. I mean, it's... I I can't even remember. I just don't even want to waste any brain power trying to remember what they did. Yeah. But basically, they lie through your teeth and you can't believe a single word they say. You can't believe your eyes. You literally won't believe your eyes. But it is weird. It is one of those where it's like, I do enjoy watching these movies once. (laughs) I'll never watch any of them again. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever watched a Fast and Furious movie more than once. No, me neither. I mean, I felt like I have, but I think that's because they're fairly repetitive. But they're, (laughs) um, yeah, I don't think I've, no, they're not top of my list. No. Okay, then. Well, is there anything else to say about Fast X before we sign off? I can't think of anything. I think we've probably spent far too much time on this film already. (laughs) Sorry, I I have kept you quite a long time on the podcast on a Monday night talking about Fast X. It's fine. I've got an episode of Succession and Barry to watch after this. That's exactly what I'll be doing. I will start the edit tomorrow. Um... Okay then, well, thank you very much, Adrian. And if people wanted to find you online, where could they do that? Um, well, I'm on Instagram and Letterboxd and under Adrian J. Zach, Z-A-K. Instagram tends to be fo- lots of photos of the, of the North and uh, random shit and Letterboxd. There would be a lot of weird movies that I'm watching, either for work or uh, some of my own choices. Cool. Thank you very much. And I would strongly recommend that people check out both those because your photos are good. And I do like looking at what you've been watching and, and also how you've been rating them. So I have to see if I agree with it or not. <laughs> to see if you got the right answer. <laughs> it's terrible. The three stars for Fast X. Sorry, Fast 10. I did see that and I thought, ah, oh, interesting, because I also gave it three because I thought, yeah, this is, it's rubbish, but I did have a good time with it. Yeah. Workmanlike. Workmanlike, yes. It's, uh, it is the Skoda of blockbusters. It has a well, cheeky I think, charm. I mean, I think in terms of, you know, in terms of its engineering, it's kind of a, a, a Skoda, isn't it? Because it's kind of so basic in terms of its script yeah, but, right. and plot. And it is just like, let's just make it up as we go along. But yeah, as a, as a finely tooled blockbuster, I mean, it, it obviously works. Yes. Okay, then. And yeah, if you want to follow... Well, actually, if you want to follow Mr. The Wallace online, then uh, I strongly recommend that you go to his website of all the film sites.com, which is a very, very good film site, and you can read about his musings on films. Uh, if you want to follow me online, I am on Twitter at Rob underscore A underscore Daniel. You can follow me on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash Rob Dan. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I think I'm Rob Dan75. Um, you can read my writing at electric-shadows.com and Rob and I also do another podcast that Adrian has guested on quite a few times and he was great every single time he came on called Another Time McLeod which is all about that wonderful film Highlander and we go through that film scene by scene and that is available to listen wherever you are listening to this you can follow that on Twitter at McLeodTime and if you want to drop us a Highlander-themed email, you can do that at whowantstopodforever at gmail.com. And if you want to follow... God, there's a lot of things to do when it's just one of you. And if you want to follow the movie Robcast, that is on Twitter, at MovieRobcast, on Instagram, at TheMovieRobcast. And you can drop us at the Robcast an email at MovieRobcast at gmail.com. Phew! What a lot of plugs when it's just one person doing it. So, Adrian, thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Cool.
Well, thank you again, and thank you all for listening, and we will rev our engines and come talking to you again very, very soon. Let's dig some graves. Looks a little different to the real average American. There are 319 million U.S. citizens. 51% are female. So first off, the average American is a woman. Cool, huh? Is that what you pictured? 54 million are Latino. 40 million senior citizens. 27 million are disabled. 18 million are Asian. That's more people in the U.S. than play football and baseball combined. 9 million are lesbian, gay, bi, transgender. More than the entire amount of people that live in the state of Virginia. Around 10 million are redhead. 5.1 million play ultimate frisbee. And 3.5 million are Muslim. Trip the number of people currently serving in the United States military. Almost half the country belongs to minority groups. We know that labels don't devalue us, they help define us. Keeping us dialed into our cultures and our beliefs and who we are as Americans. After all, what's more American than freedom to celebrate the things that make us, us? I mean, it's stitched into the stars and stripes of this country. From the Constitution to Gettysburg, to our motto, E Pluribus Unum, from many, one. It's even in our country's name, the United States. <laughs>